All right, let's begin. You've had a week to think about chapel ordinances. Tell me your connections. What connections did you make over the week? A brief review for those of you who are brand new. Our covenants are tied to our journey through mortality. And we come into a telestial fallen world. And we're asked to overcome telestial and become terrestrial. We enter the terrestrial world, so to speak. And then our journey's halfway over. The bad news about joining the gospel is you've come halfway. And now you've got a whole nother half to go. Now we have to transition from terrestrial into celestial. Those two changes are at the heart of our covenants. So change number one is telestial to terrestrial. Now, just as a reminder, those of you who are with us, what kind of change is that? What is changing when I go from telestial to terrestrial? Actions, what I do. For example, what's perhaps one of the most celestial things I could do? Murder. Hurt someone, cause physical pain, kill someone, commit adultery. Almost all celestial acts are an act of doing something. I'm doing the wrong things or I'm not doing the right things. And to be terrestrial... I have to do the right things and stop doing the wrong things. This is a change of action. Now, primarily, where do we make covenants to overcome celestial and become terrestrial? This is, these typically happen in the chapel. And this is our invitation to the whole world. What does it say on the outside of all of our chapels? Visitors welcome, because there's not a person in this world who doesn't need to work on changing from terrestrial, telestial to terrestrial. And we focus on those covenants. Now, the image here is a death image, a killing some part of us. Now, anciently in the Old Testament, they didn't separate into two buildings. They didn't have chapels that they went to on Sunday and temples they went to on other days. They just had one building. And their one building was the temple. So let me show you the ancient temple. Here's the temple, here's the tabernacle. Solomon's temple was just like this, except it wasn't made out of a tent. And the idea here is we come in, this is the terrestrial, the telestial portion. This was considered to be the telestial world. And to come out of the telestial world and into the terrestrial world required what? But what sacrifice? What were we laying on that altar? the animal inside us, and we laid Jesus on the altar to make it possible, right? And so the focus of these ordinances is to overcome the natural man who naturally does celestial things. Now, we don't necessarily lay animals on an altar. So what is our very first act of coming into the church? What is our first ordinance? And what do we do when we're baptized? We kill and bury the natural man and come out without him. Do you see the symbolism? 
All these chapel ordinances are the symbol of overcoming the telestial natural man. But that is only half the journey, isn't it? I don't, I don't think any of you want to stop at the terrestrial kingdom. If you do, the Lord has a kingdom for you. Anyone who wants to be terrestrial, he has a kingdom for you. But those of you who want a higher kingdom have to make higher covenants. And you have to make a deeper change. You have to change from terrestrial to celestial. Now, what kind of change is that? Can you see easily the difference between a terrestrial and a celestial person? Can you see it? You usually can't. They do the same things. These people do good. These people do good. It's usually not an observable difference between celestial and terrestrial. What kind of change is this? It's an inner change. It's an attitude change. I'm changing what I am, how I think, what I desire in my heart. This change goes deep inside me. And so we go into a different building, surrounded by people who are trying to make the same changes. And the ordinances we now participate occur in a temple. In the Old Testament, they went out of the Holy of Holies, or sorry, the holy place, and into the Holy of Holies, which represented the celestial kingdom and God's presence. So telestial into terrestrial, terrestrial into celestial. So we're now going to focus the rest of this class on what makes me a, for a celestial person. We're going to focus on covenants and ordinances that are designed to change the inner person. And those are going to be hard to observe. And you can fake it. I'll tell you, you can fake it. But you won't fake it eternally. And so please see in all of these ordinances an invitation to change the inside and become celestial. Now, allow me, before we actually go into the temple, allow me to connect a whole bunch of dots, okay? And you won't see how these are connected for just a minute. So just allow me to connect a bunch of dots. Dot number one is I need to show you a pattern when it comes to temple worship. So turn to Doctrine and Covenants section 88, verse 119, which was the very initial invitation to build a temple. Doctrine and Covenants section 88, the Lord waited until we were in Kirtland and we had a little bit of a base and we had some strength. And then he said, build a temple. And this was the invitation. Doctrine and Covenants 88, Verse 119. Now I want to focus on the words he used at the invitation to build the temple. Look at those first three words. He said, number one, what was the first word? Organize. You. You organize. And those of you who have not gone to the temple, what is the first thing you need to do before you go? 
you better organize your life. You should not attend the temple until your life is at least in this order. Because you are walking in and making covenants to be celestial. So organize your life. Sometimes as a church, it means organize things so that we can build a temple. But organize. And give me the next verb. Prepare. Are there not some things you need to do to prepare to go to the temple? Most of your stake presidents will ask that you attend a temple prep class so that you are prepared. So organize, prepare, and what's the last verb? Establish. In their case, I think the Lord was pointing to build the house. In your case, he's asked you to establish the temple. How do you establish the temple? When would you say you've established the temple? We don't build them personally. The church builds them. So how do you personally establish the temple? Okay, so the contribution, I, th I like that. But when would you say, what kind of things are you doing when you establish the temple besides building it? Like something's set in stone and it's not moving, so the covenants you make there are established. Beautiful. Establish the covenants. I think of establish the habit of going. Make it a routine. I have established the temple and I go frequently. Now, would you all agree who is doing these three verbs? Who is doing that? Who is organizing, who is preparing, and who is establishing? Me, right? Now, watch how the Lord uses those exact same words inside the temple. So turn to section 109, or 109 which is the dedicatory prayer of the Kirtland Temple. We're now going to dedicate the temple and the Lord's going to say, let me tell you what we do in this building or what I'm going to do in these buildings. And he uses the exact same words. And this is going to be dot number one that we're going to have to connect with all temple ordinances. So section 109, the dedicatory prayer of the Kirtland temple. Now notice what Joseph says in the section heading. Did Joseph write the dedicatory prayer? He did not. It was revealed by revelation, which is a little interesting, right? Aren't prayers what we say to God? And what is this prayer given by God? So Heavenly Father was saying what? Say this to me. Why would he do that? Why would he dictate to Joseph what to say in the prayer? I think one of the reasons is Joseph had no idea yet the full extent of what temples were about. So the Lord says, let me make sure you get this right. I need every word right. Now watch how he uses those same words in a little bit of a twist. If I organize myself, now find the same words. Verse 15 so let's build a temple that we may grow up in thee and receive a fullness of the Holy Ghost and 
be organized. Now, do you see the connection? If you organize yourself, you will be organized. I will organize you. You will be organized. Now, give me an example. I'll tell you the most important thing that has ever happened in my entire life, 53 years of life. The most important moment of my life was when my wife and I were organized into a family. He organized my eternal family because I organized my life. Do you see the relationship we have with him in temples? Now, that's going to be very important as we watch this pattern develop. So he says, you prepare yourself so that what? Same verse. You are prepared to receive. Because right now, you're not ready to receive this. So I'm going to help you receive it. I'm going to prepare you. So if you prepare your life to go to the temple, you will be prepared. You see the relationship? By giving God something, I receive something. Now turn to verse 24. Let's read 24 through 26 and find the last word. Brilliant how the Lord uses all three words. Organize yourself and I'll organize you. Prepare yourself and I'll I'll, you'll be prepared. I'll prepare you. Now, if you establish the temple, what will the temple do? Who wants to read 24 through 26? Brilliant, wonderful promise of temple work. Please, Elder Fielding. Yes, the Lord Father, to establish the people that shall worship. And honorably hold names and sins and generations and first and the weapons formed against them shall prosper. That he who diggeth a pit for them shall fall into the same himself. And no combination of wickedness shall have power to rise up and prevail over thy people, upon whom thy name shall put in this house. So if you set the temple, if you establish it, make it something that doesn't move out of your life, then what? I will establish you and no one will move you out of your place. Do you see the relationship? Now, the reason I bring that up isn't just it's a cool connection. The reason I bring that up is every ordinance in the temple is moving those two directions. So if I am washed, What's implied? And in order to be washed by him, I am doing what? I am washing something. We're going to apply this to everything that happens in the temple. He says, if you organize, I'll organize you. If you prepare, I'll prepare you. If you establish, I'll establish you. So when I go into the temple and I am washed, What's the implication? What do I, what's the dot I need to connect? If I am washed, therefore I better be washing something. If I am anointed, I better be anointing something. 
Do you see that relationship? Okay, there's dot number one. Dot number two is every single time we participate in an ordinance. There are two pieces to the ordinance. One piece is a token, a ritual, some action, something I do. And the other piece is a covenant. What's the connection here? Something you're giving, something you're also receiving. Okay, so we're going to go back to this one. I give and I receive. That's important to understand. I give and I receive. I want to point out dot number two. The very best way, one sometimes, sometimes the very best way to understand what I'm covenanting is to look at the token. The token reveals the covenant. Now, here's the thing you need to understand in the temple. The Lord does not use a lot of words. And so you have to connect a lot of dots. You need to be prepared to connect some dots. He is not going to spell out every covenant you're making. But he will ask you to do something that reveals the covenant. Now, remember, I should say that's dot number two, because dot number one is he's asking me to go from terrestrial to celestial. So he's going to ask me to do something that reveals what I'm promising. So let's practice with baptism. What is the token of baptism? What is the action or the token? Immersed. So what does that token reveal I'm promising? To bury the natural man. Now, does he ever say that in the promise? When, 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 when my dad raised his arm to the square, he said, Bryce Lane Dunford, I baptize you and you promised to kill the natural man. Were the words there? And do you see how he works? He implies the covenant with the action. That's going to be very, very important in the temple. The action is going to reveal the covenant. Now, notice when we do the sacrament, we don't change the covenant, do we? We just change the token. And the new token helps us see the covenant. So, three dots you need to put together. I'm being asked to give up the terrestrial person inside me and be celestial. Everything I'm doing, he's doing. And everything he's doing... He's asking me to do. Number three, I'm going to look at the token. And the token is going to teach me what I'm promising. Now, that promise has to do with becoming celestial. But I'm going to understand better this by looking at this. Okay, now, dot number four. I need everyone to make sure you know I'm on safe ground. So I'm going to walk you through church material so you can know I'm not revealing anything I shouldn't be revealing. So I'm using the Gospel Library app. Normally I use my other app for scriptures, but tonight I'm, I'm going to use the Gospel Library app 
so you can see where I'm going. Whoops. So uh, let me open up a new window so I don't lose that one. All right, here I am in the Gospel Library. And I tap on Temple and Family History. Now I tap on Temple Ordinances. Now I tap on Temple Endowment. All available on the Gospel Library, right? I'm gonna make sure you know I walk on safe ground. Now, in this, the Lord says, when you joined the church, you received two ordinances, baptism and confirmation. Now, baptism was you alone in the water. Confirmation, or no, the second time we do baptism, it's you in a chapel partaking of the sacrament. So much like that, just hold on to that. So two ordinances, one is alone, one is with a group. Likewise, the temple endowment is received in, guess how many parts? Two. There are two parts to the endowment. Now, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on the first part because most people I know do it once. They do it one time. And then when they go back to the temple, they do the second part over and over and over again. But the first part is essential to understanding the covenants I'm going to make in the second part. In the first part, you will privately and individually receive preliminary ordinances called the initiatory ordinances. You start in the initiatory. The initiatory ordinances include special blessings regarding your divine heritage and potential. As part of these ordinances, you will be authorized to wear the sacred garment. So we're going to start in the initiatory. And we're going to look at the tokens to understand the covenant. And he's not going to use a lot of words. But if I'm being washed, I better assume what? There's an invitation here for me to wash something. And that invitation to wash something is focused where? On getting me to be more celestial. Do you see how these dots are starting to come together? Now, let me use some imagery. The imagery of these ordinances is the laying the animal on the altar, right? We kill the natural man, we put it on the altar. We bury the natural man and we come up without it. We break the natural man like we break the bread in the sacrament. In the church, we usually use other language to describe that whole idea. The dying part is on one side. What's the other part? It's the rebirth. So this new birth. So what should be the result of coming into the terrestrial? What should I look like when I come out of the world and into the church and into the terrestrial kingdom? What should I look like? Let me show you what I should look like. Ready? That's what I should look like, right? Spiritually speaking, 
I should be a reborn baby. Now, did you catch the language in section 109? We go to the temple true to do what? Grow up. I am going to start. I'm walking into the temple a reborn baby. Now, what is the first thing you would do to that baby? Look at it. You would wash it. The very first thing you do to a reborn baby is you wash it. Now, what if, not Jane Clayson, what if it's Simba? If the newborn baby is heir to the throne, what would you do next? You'd anoint him. You'd anoint him. You'd wash him, anoint him. Tell me what else you would do to this baby. You would put some clothes on him. You would cover him with clothing. And then you'd give him a name. Boom! There's the temple. Washed, anointed, sorry. I'll warn you next time. (laughs) Washed. I'll try to be passionate about the temple from now on. Washed, anointed, clothed, named. There's There's initiatory. Before I go make covenants as a reborn baby, I need to be washed. And after I'm washed, because I am heir to the throne, I'm going to be anointed. King George, Charles, King Charles, right? He's Charles. King Charles was just anointed as king. What happened when he was born? He was anointed to become king. I am going to be anointed to become a king or a queen. And then I'm going to be clothed in a very specific article of clothing. And then I'm going to be named. So here's what we're going to do in the next four weeks. Washed, anointed, clothed, named. All in understanding the purpose of the initiatory. But what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the action. Now, those of you who've never been are just going to have to chalk this up for another day. Those of you who've been will know exactly the actions we're talking about. But the action is going to reveal the covenant. And if I'm being washed, I better assume he's inviting me to wash something. And what is the covenant? What does it have to do with becoming a celestial person? Do you see where we're going? You're starting to see how simple temple ordinances really are. It's really not complicated if you understand that I've been reborn and I walk into the temple and I need to be washed, anointed, clothed, and named so that I can make covenants and become a celestial person and enter his presence. Now, just one more connection. I want you to see all of these things coming together. Go to Exodus chapter 40 in the Old Testament. 
Now, allow me to use my real scriptures. Exodus chapter 40 in the Old Testament. When they set up the tabernacle and they prepared Oren. So this is Aaron preparing to be a temple worker. What is going to happen to him? What's the first thing we're going to do to Aaron and his sons? We're going to wash them. Are we washing dirt off them? No. What are we washing off them? Telestial or terrestrial. We better not be washing telestial off, right? Or we got the wrong person in the temple. We're washing terrestrial off. And then? Clothing. Clothing. And then? Anointing. It hasn't changed. Now, one more. Go to section 124 when the saints get to Nauvoo. Now, we have, not, we have not built an ordinance temple yet. Kirtland was not an ordinance temple. Kirtland was a key, restoration of key temple, endowed with keys. Now we go into Nauvoo. Nauvoo, so section 124 of the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Lord says, look, let me tell you why we're going to build this temple. We're going to build a temple because, let's start in, let's start in verse 25, 26, and 27. I'll scroll. Again, verily I say unto you, let all my saints come from afar, send swift messengers, chosen messengers, and say to them, come ye with all your gold and your silver and your precious stones and with all antiquity and anyone who has knowledge of antiquities that may come, bring your box tree and your fir tree and the pine tree, together with all the precious trees of the earth, and with iron, with copper, and with brass, and with zinc, with all your precious things of earth, to build a house for my name, for the most high to dwell. Now, what's, why build a temple? Because something's missing. For there is not a place found on earth that he may come to and restore again that which was lost or which he hath taken away, even, what does Jesus call the temple? The fullness of the priesthood. Now, what is that going to include? If you go to verse 39, you better expect what to happen in the temple. First, anointings and washings. And then he'll talk about Clothings. Do you see the connection between all of this? We're not doing anything that the Lord hasn't been doing for thousands of years. All of us need to go from celestial to terrestrial and terrestrial to celestial. And he does it through ordinances. So let's talk about washing. I am going to be Wash. Now, those of you who've never been, don't worry. You're not physically going to be washed. All of this is symbolic. Symbolically, you're going to be washed. But tell me about terrestrial sins. Where do they occur? Where do I commit terrestrial sins? Well, let's go back to Eden. Let me just last dot. The last dot that we're going to put all together, let's go back to the Garden of Eden 
and talk about how sin came in and how it needs to go out. So Moses chapter 4, Pearl of Great Price, tell me what happened when Eve partook. Moses chapter 4, verse 12. So let me pull up the Pearl of Great Price. Moses 4, 12. Ready? Give me the verbs. Where does sin start? She saw it. Where is it? Where's sin? It's in my eyes. Sin is in my eyes. Or what would the equivalent be? It's in my ears. Not yet. Hasn't hit my mind yet. It's in my eyes. I see it or I hear it. And that's where it starts. You went to the movie you shouldn't have gone to. You saw and you heard and there it is. Sin is in your eyes. So we ought to do everything we can to keep sin out of our eyes and keep sin out of our ears. But what are the chances you're going to forever keep sin out of your eyes and ears? In this world, not going to happen. But that's where it starts, right? Sin starts in my eyes and in my ears. Now give me the next verb. First she saw and then it became pleasant, meaning it wasn't naturally pleasant. Where do things become pleasant? In my mind. Sin went from her eyes to her thoughts. In thinking about sin, it became pleasant. Sin is in my mind. And I'm thinking about it. Now, has she committed sin? Well, that's hard to say, but it's certainly in her mind, right? All right, what's the next verb? Where do I desire? Now it's in her heart. Sin went from her eyes to her head to her heart. Next, she took. It's in her hands. It's click. It's in her hands. What would some of the other equivalent ones be? Sin is in my feet, and I'm walking towards it. Sin is in my hands. It's on my shoulders. I'm holding it up. I'm holding sin up on my shoulders. It's in my lips because I'm talking about it. It's in my nose because I'm smelling it. It's in my loins because I'm passing it on to the next generation. And what's the final verb? She ate. And not wanting to be alone, she gave. Now, do you see the reverse order here. Where do we start? Heavenly Father says, get it out of. That's last. We get it out of our hands, our feet. Stop doing it. 
Stop eating it. Stop touching it. Stop taking it. And then he says, look, if you really want to stop doing it, then get it out of your heart. Get it out of your head and do what you can to not see it. So, ready? Let's connect all those dots. The first covenant. The first thing I do to become a celestial person is I wash my eyes, my ears, my heart, my hands, my feet. Do you see the covenant? Now, as I sit there being washed, what's the invitation? Go out of this temple and wash what you look at. I am asking you to wash what you look at. I'm asking you to wash what you think about. And no one will know. No one will know what you're doing. This work happens without anyone watching. I am asking you to wash what you think about. To wash what you touch. What you click on. Where you go. Do you see the first covenant? Do you see what we're doing in the temple? Wash the terrestrial out of you. Stop thinking about sin. Stop getting it in your heart. Wash your heart. James. Would you say this is part of the promise that President Nelson gave as far as receiving strength from the temple? Now, let's do that because I'm going to give you a promise. President Nelson, in his fantastic talk about temples, Um, here, no, his talk about overcoming the world, his talk about overcoming the world said something so profound. If I wash the terrestrial out of me, go back to here, what will he do? What will he do if I wash the terrestrial out of me? He will wash me. Sometimes he washes me of pain. Sometimes he washes me of addiction and affliction. He will wash you. President Nelson gave this promise. Those who live the higher laws of Jesus Christ have access to his higher power. When you go into the temple, 
the first thing you will do is wash the terrestrial out of you. Don't go home and click on things you shouldn't click on that you just promised you wouldn't look at. Don't go home and read things you shouldn't be reading. Don't go home and listen to things you shouldn't be listening. Don't go home and think about things you shouldn't be thinking about. You just promised him you will wash those thoughts. Celestial people don't think those things. They don't desire those things. So wash them out of you. And if you do, he will wash you. Of that I testify. If you wash, you will be washed. And not just physically. When I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.